Uh, one of our prayers and hopes for this series is that prayer becomes more a way of life rather than just something, a routine you do before a meal. Um, as we uh, begin this week, as always, just encourage you uh, to pull out that colored insert in your service folder. Our goal is we to someday have 100% fill in the blankers. I don't even know if that's a word, but uh, that would be a blessing, I think, for, for you. And if nothing else, for now... Put that on your lap and pray that uh, it uh, helps as we um, study through God's Word today. Have you ever found yourself uh, doing something over and over, but not, making sh- not being sure that it's making a difference? Doing something over and over, but not really sure that it's working? Uh, let me give you an example uh, of this from my summer Uh, I, uh, one week in the summer, was trying to uh, start my weed whip, and uh, before I tell you about my story, I need to tell you something about two things. Uh, One thing is about my weed whip, and that's that it's never been the kind that will start on the first pull. And so I've uh, come up with an elaborate uh, sort of routine of, uh, of uh, primer pumps and throttle rotations in order to get it started, usually within about five minutes and about four pulls, I guess, something like that. The other thing you need to know before I tell you my story is that, um, and some of you already know this, I am not uh, very handy. And when I say not very handy, it means that my primary fix-it tool, that my go-to is duct tape. So if duct tape doesn't fix it, usually I need help. Well, so this summer I was trying to start my weed whip and did my usual primer pumps and throttle rotations from one to three, back to one, back to three, and was pulling, and it didn't start. And I got to the end of my normal routine, and things weren't working, so what a normal person would do is they would kind of take apart a little bit of the engine, see what might be clogged up or whatever might be going on. But for me, um, not being normal, um, knowing that that duct tape wasn't going to fix it, I I just started pulling and pulling and pulling and hoping and pulling and priming and pulling and throttle rotating and pulling and pulling. And finally, I pulled so many times that I actually had a blister that had formed on the inside of my my middle finger. I couldn't believe how quickly that happened. And so what do you think I did next? Stop, right? No, I just moved the handle to the next set of fingers and almost got a blister on my ring finger, hoping with each pull that something would be different, that the, the weed whip would finally start, would finally work. And... It didn't. Now, what does all of this have to do with prayer? I'm wondering if you've ever felt about your prayers like I felt about my weed whip. It's something you do over and over again, but maybe not sure that it's making any difference. Hoping with each prayer that things are different, hoping with each pull that the weed whip starts, but yet things are exactly the same. Um, Last week, uh, Pastor Matt did a a great job of reminding us as he taught through a story that Jesus told that we are to pray often. 
That we can come to God like a a man does in the middle of the night asking for bread. And in fact, this is our our first fill-in. It's actually a fill-in from last week. To pray with shameless persistence. That we can come to God over and over and over again. He invites us to keep coming to him. And in fact, what we learned last week is that our continual prayers about even the same thing, they don't bother God. Does anyone remember what they do? They don't bother God. They, it rhymes with loner. They honor God. Yes, good. I'm glad it sunk in with everyone. Yeah, they don't bother God. They honor God, our persistent prayers. So it's awesome to keep praying. So let me ask, have you ever prayed with shameless persistence? I'm guessing you have. Keep pulling, keep praying. Have you ever prayed with shameless persistence and it seemed like nothing changed? Have you ever prayed and prayed and prayed and it seemed like things stayed exactly the same? Have you ever felt like your prayers aren't working? Have you ever felt like you're you're calling God in your prayers and he said, all right, you're on hold? And what happens at times when we feel as if our prayers aren't being heard is that we begin to go places we'd rather not go. Like we at times start to doubt God's goodness. We sometimes doubt the power of prayer. And in fact, when something so personal like our prayers don't seem to be answered as we're talking to God, sometimes some people begin to even doubt the existence of God altogether because prayers just don't seem to be answered now before we get into our text for today let me just unpack a little bit mentally what's going on when we begin to doubt god because we don't get what we want in prayer when that happens you know how we're treating god we're guilty of reducing god to what I'll call a genie in a bottle. You know how the genie in the bottle works, right? You rub the bottle, the genie comes out, and then what happens? You get to tell the genie what you want at least once, sometimes three times, and the genie is supposed to do exactly what you tell him to do. If you're still confused, just watch Aladdin. It'll, it'll all make sense, okay? The genie in the bottle. And sometimes... We feel that way about prayer, that prayer should mean that God is our genie in a bottle. Now, wouldn't it be cool if prayer worked that way? Maybe. Maybe not. Because understand, if prayer is our way of telling God what to do in our life, guess who's in charge at that point, if that was the case? You'd be in charge, and guess what? We don't always know what's best. Maybe we think we know in the moment, but there are times, I'm guessing, that we've asked for things in prayer that in retrospect would not have been the best thing. We don't always know what's best. It it reminds me of uh, when I was a kid. Um, Popeye was pretty popular, 
And uh, for those of you who know anything about Popeye, the way he got uh, his big muscles was to eat what? Exactly, spinach, right. And so we were at the grocery store when I was probably about six, seven years old, and there was a sale on canned spinach. And in fact, it was the kind that actually was endorsed by Popeye because there was a picture of him on the can. And so I'm like, Mom, hey, look at this. Popeye on the can of spinach. Could we get a can? And she's like, sure. You know, encouraging her son to eat vegetables. All right. So I'm like, all right, that was pretty easy. Hey, Mom, I want to be like Popeye twice. Can we get two cans of spinach? And she paused for a moment. And he's like, all right, fine. At that point, you know, I was like Abraham in the reading from last week. It's like, oh, you know, if your servant has been so bold to ask for two cans, mother, what if I asked for three cans? Would you give me three cans? Dear mom, I didn't say it exactly like that, but that was the point. And she's like, you know, maybe we should start with two. I'm not even sure you're going to like spinach. And so for the rest of the grocery time, I'm just continuing to plead and beg, like, I know what I like, I know what I want, and I want to be like Popeye, and I want spinach. And so finally, she had had enough of me as we're checking out, and she's like, all right, fine, one more. So I ran to get it, bring it back just in time as she's checking out, and we had canned spinach that night. And I took one bite, and I've never had canned spinach again. And the truth is that we, I, as a kid, I don't always know what's best. I don't always know what I need or or what's really going on. Now, if if you think about that gap of wisdom and competence between a child and their parent, (laughs) that gap is infinitely smaller than the gap of wisdom and competence between us and God. And I am so glad that God is not my genie in a bottle. I am so glad that I'm not in charge, but the all-knowing, all-seeing, almighty God is the one who decides how he's going to answer my prayer, not how I'm going to tell him to answer my prayer. And so you just need to understand this in your time of wonderment about, un- about prayer Number two, God knows best how to answer my prayers. God knows best how to answer our prayers. Now, I want you to know that this is true all the time, all the time. But I also want to acknowledge something at the same time. There can be times when this is really hard to believe, And the reason is, is because there are certain things that happen in our life that just do not seem like they could be for the best. For instance, um, think about a a parent who's diagnosed with uh, uh, a deadly disease like cancer. And he or she is praying and praying, their family's praying, Uh, Christians all over are praying, and yet, he or she still dies. How can that be the best answer to prayer? Or another situation, maybe it's a single person who's been praying for, decade, for a decade that they would find the right Christian person to get married to. 
and it just doesn't seem to happen. How, how can that be for the best? Or a, a married couple who's praying for a child and they can't get pregnant and they're praying but it doesn't happen. Or a father or a mother who's praying for the right job to be able to support their family with the things that they need and it just doesn't happen. And what makes it even more difficult and challenging is at the same time, you look around and there are other people who seem to have their prayers answered. And they get healed. And they find the spouse. And they get pregnant. And they find the job. And then you have certain pastors or churches that confuse the matter and they say basically that it's your fault that your prayers aren't worrying because you need to have more faith. You're just not trusting enough. You're just not having enough faith in prayer to twist God's arm yet, which, by the way, is a bunch of baloney. So what is going on in those times where it just seems odd and where you can't dot all the I's and cross all the T's? Have you ever wondered what God could possibly be up to in times of what seemed to be difficult unanswered prayer? Well, as we consider those difficult prayer situations today, I'd like us to, we're going to turn to a man named Paul. And most of you have uh, been introduced to Paul before, but just a really quick intro. Paul was one of the greatest missionaries, uh, Christian missionaries who ever lived. He uh, lived just uh, after the time of Jesus, and he started churches all over the Mediterranean Sea area, which is basically the world at that time. Paul also happened to be a guy who, through God's direction, wrote over half of the New Testament. At the same time, there's something else we know about Paul. He had a physical ailment that bothered him tremendously. In fact, he called it a thorn in the flesh. Let's look at uh, part of our first verse in 2 Corinthians 12. Paul uh, writes in verse 7, There was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan. This was a product of sin being in the world, that, that there would be this challenge. In a perfect world, he wouldn't have had this thorn in the flesh. A messenger of Satan to torment me. Paul calls this physical challenge a thorn in the flesh. Just think about a, a really big sliver that you just can't get out and how that continually bothers you. Now, what was this thorn in the flesh? The, the truth is that we don't know for sure what physical ailment Paul suffered from, but he does give us some hints about some of the things that were challenges for him. For instance, it seems like people had a very difficult time being around Paul in certain ways because of this physical ailment. Um, we get the idea that biblical scholars uh, sort of predict or they, they guess that it could have been maybe something like malaria or potentially that Paul was prone to epileptic seizures is another guess. Um, what I think is the most likely because of some of the other things he wrote about his eyesight is that likely this was a very challenging eye problem for Paul. But the reality is, is that it doesn't really matter what it was but it was this thing that challenged him a lot, all the time. Verse 8. 
Three times, Paul says, I I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Uh, This doesn't mean that Paul had three prayers, like he prayed on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, God didn't answer him, and and now, you know, he's done praying. Um, These three times reference three seasons of life where this thorn must have been more difficult, more challenging. These three times, these three seasons could have been weeks, they could have been months, but there's these three times that Paul looks back on and just, Lord, I talked to you over and over and over again about this. I pleaded with you, Lord, to take it away. Now, I want you to think about this situation for a moment as you consider your own, at times, unanswered prayers. Here we have a guy in Paul who's doing the most important work that there is. I think we'd all agree. The most important work there is, no matter what your occupation is, the most important work there is, is that we all share Jesus with the people around us. And he's not only doing it, he's doing it the best. He's starting churches all over the place. And if God would heal his physical ailment, if God would just, you know, twist his arm. If God would just answer his prayer, what would happen to Paul's ministry most likely? Would it get better or worse? Better. He's feeling better. He's able to do more. I mean, this is a good man, Christian man, asking for a good thing. It wasn't selfish. It wasn't like he was asking for, you know, more money or a brand new Porsche or a summer home in the Bahamas or winter home in the Bahamas or something. It was asking for a good thing. Lord, heal me. I've seen you heal other people through me. Can you just heal me once? And God replies, verse 9, But God said to me, My grace, my love, is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And what was God's answer to Paul's understandable request. No. I'm not going to give you what you ask for now. (laughs) Was there anything wrong with Paul? Like that God didn't answer him because there was something wrong with Paul? No. Was there anything wrong with his prayers? No. Did God not hear him? No. But still God, in his infinite wisdom, decided, Paul, I'm not buying you a third can of spinach. Paul, I'm not giving you what you're asking for. And maybe for you today, this is the main encouragement that you need in unanswered prayer, or prayer that seems to be unanswered. This encouragement right here where you see a person named Paul who we know God loved and yet God still didn't give him what we felt would be the obvious answer. That God not giving to you what you think might be obvious is not God not loving you. It wasn't the case, that wasn't the case for Paul either. So what was the reason that Paul didn't get the answer to his prayer? Because God always has reasons. Look at the first part of verse 7. To keep me from being conceited, there was given me a thorn in my flesh. 
to keep me from being conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations. Paul was allowed to see things, to hear things, to do things, to write things that other people didn't have the privilege of doing. And, and, and God could see that this could have led him into pride and conceit. <laughs> and so God allowed him to struggle with this thing because it would keep him closer to God. That struggling with this physical ailment would keep Paul's focus off of himself and onto the Lord for his daily needs and strength. We all need that. We all struggle with putting the focus on ourselves. I mean, when do we most of the time, most likely, forget about God? Not all of us are this way, but most of the time, it's not when things are going well or good, uh, bad that we forget about God. It's when things are going well that we forget about God. So God knew exactly what Paul needed in this situation and in his life at this time. Verse 9, and so Paul responds, Therefore, seeing what God's up to, I'm going to boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and in insults and in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I'm weak, it's then I'm strong. <laughs> These are some of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. I come back to them all the time. But I rarely do what's said there. That's why I need to hear them. How many of you delight in weakness or delight in hardship or delight in insults and difficulties? This does not come very easily, and it does not come naturally at all. Now, this doesn't mean delighting in weakness, that we need to pray for hardship. Lord, give me hardship so I can be strong. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that you can't keep coming with shameless persistence to God for what you think might be the best. God wants you to bring those requests to him. Remember that. But at the same time, as we do, a Christ-centered prayer always is mindful of God's will over my way. That God's will in whatever situation it is, will always be better in the long run and for our faith relationship with him than my way. Our, our next fill-in. God's no to your prayer will be, not could be, will be a blessing to your life. You may not get it right away. It may take years to look back on it, but God never messes up answers to prayer, and his no to your prayer right now will be, in one way or another, a blessing to your life. You know, the worst thing that God could do for us is just to take away all of our thorns. The worst thing he could do for us is to take away all of our challenges. 
Because what happens is when that happens, again, we begin to trust in, in our strength. But thorns force us to begin to rely on him. And it's then that we're stronger, as Paul writes. If this doesn't still seem to sink in, um, I want you to think about a drowning victim and a lifeguard. So someone's drowning, a lifeguard goes out to him or her, and the natural reaction for someone who's drowning, even as the lifeguard gets there, is to keep kicking and keep paddling and to, to use all their strength to try to continue to keep themselves afloat even as the lifeguard is there. Well, when it comes to being saved, that's the worst thing that you can do. That in fact, lifeguards are told when you get to a drowning victim to tell them to be calm. And what they need to do when they're drowning is something that's very hard to do and not very intuitive. They need to transfer their trust from their kicking and paddling, be calm, and transfer that trust to the lifeguard. And it is then, relying on the lifeguard's strength, that they will most likely be saved, depending on how good the lifeguard is. <laughs> you get it? We have the, the, the greatest lifeguard there is. Jesus never gets it wrong. He has the power to save us. And we saw that power displayed in not only how he died, but how he conquered death when he rose again. And so as we go through the struggles and the challenges of life that we're praying about, keep praying, keep bringing those requests to God. But the calmness and peace of life happens when we transfer the trust, not in our feelings on how things should be answered, but to transfer that trust onto our lifeguard, onto him. And it is then trusting in his strength that we are truly going to be strong. Our last fill-in. In prayer, my friends, as you pray for whatever it is, you can bring any request to God. But in prayer, it is so important to seek God's will, not my way. Seek God's will, not my way. Um, in fact, Jesus says the same thing in Matthew chapter 6. He says, seek first what? My way. No, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. That's what we seek first. Jesus in the garden, we read it earlier, he's praying, Lord, if it is your will, you know, or if it's possible, take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will be done. And what does God do? He sends an angel to help strengthen him in that moment as he faces some very, very difficult circumstances that next day. As you continue to pray and pray and pray about certain things, like me pulling on a weed whip, continue to bring those requests to God. But as you do, trust your all-knowing God of the universe, and in your prayers, add this to them or to your heart to seek God's will and not my way. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you that you don't give us everything we ask for.
And Lord, we know or we see that there are times where just the answer to prayer seems obvious to us and yet we're not getting what we're asking for. Help us in those moments and all the time to continue to seek your will instead of our way. And help us through the difficult times of life coupled with what seems to be unanswered prayer to transfer our trust in all things from our strength to yours. We pray all this in Jesus' name and also pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever.